to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, and we now know that Super Bowl 50 will be proof that defence and a good run game matter in what's meant to be a passing league. Peyton Manning and Cam Newton will be the first time two number one overall picks will face off in a Super Bowl with a 13-year age gap between them. Age versus beauty? Is that the right phrase? I don't know. Let's talk about it. This is the Gridiron Show. Genuinely, I have no idea what I was thinking at the end of that. Age versus beauty. Yeah, well, I like because you say age over beauty when like you let somebody go ahead of you. It's like a jokey way of doing it. Like you know, like people sometimes go ladies first and they yeah, think they're being yeah, funny. Yeah. Like if I was doing it to somebody who's older, I go age over beauty. It's it's one of those kind of funny, and it just popped into my head, and I don't know why I said it. But Cam Newton is beautiful and played a beautiful game on Sunday night as he trounced the Arizona Cardinals. I went zero and two in my picks this weekend. And Peyton is age. Yeah, and Peyton, he, <laughs> Peyton is age personified. He is now, uh, after, in two weeks' time, assuming that he doesn't, between now and then, break a hip or something, he is going to be the oldest and third oldest quarterback to ever play in a Super Bowl. Only John Elway is in the middle of his appearance two years ago and his appearance this year. Sorry, I really have, I was trying to work that out, and then I got it, just as when you were explaining it. That's amazing. And, uh, of course, Elway GM. For, for the Broncos. Uh, incredible stuff. Wow. We had Panthers vying to, jo- uh, vying to join the 8-4-49ers, the 8-5-Bears and the 2007 Pats as the only teams to win 18 games in their history. 33 undrafted three agents will play in Super Bowl 50. That's the most ever, just wow. showing uh, like building a good roster isn't just all about big free agent pickups or, or who you draft at the top end. And uh, I just the one observation I had from last night is uh, about four in the morning, my top three trends on Twitter were the X-Files, Triple H, and uh, uh, Peyton Manning. I'm like, it's 1999! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise I'd scrolled so far back, I'd scrolled back in time. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, uh, brilliantly, someone pointed out to us on, uh, on Twitter earlier on today that if you had any doubts that this was going to be the Super Bowl matchup, and I genuinely don't believe that anyone was predicting this ahead of the season... Do you remember our NFC Least song from earlier in the year? The Ken Yong one that we played in that people really enjoyed. It's, it's yeah. like, I think it's like an SNL sketch or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. Let's just re-listen to how that, uh, let's just re-listen to how that song begins. Hey! No, hey, I'm taking the Panthers and the Broncos. I'm staying away from our division because it's garbage! I gotta run. I love you, Eli. Apparently they're geniuses. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so he would have uh, he would have made a lot of money that guy if he'd actually put a bet on that. Uh, well, well, but uh, of course that was a uh, a mock up of Adele's "Hello." Yeah, Rob Rigglesworth. If you've not heard it, go back and listen to our earlier podcast. And, we played it more than once <laughs> uh, on your Twitter at Will Gav. Is it a pin tweet? The the Adele Beckham Junior. Oh yes, I've now pinned it as my top tweet at Will Gav on Twitter. Somebody and I don't know where it came from because I just got it sent to me. Uh, somebody won at the internet last night by making a Photoshop of Adele Beckham. And it's just the, one of the best done photoshops I've ever seen yeah, in my life. It's, it's wonderful. Very, very funny stuff. Ben Hodgson, could, you need to do better. He doesn't even listen to this. 
<laughs> I don't no, know why I'm Yeah, that's a weird in-joke that no one's going to understand, but what I will do is post a picture where, a picture where Ollie's face is imposed on a dog, and then you'll understand <laughs> why we're referencing that person. He built our old website, though, and he's a very good man. Uh, right, show. We've got a, a massive show today. We're going to be talking to Matt Sherry out in Denver again, and he's been talking to some players in the locker room after the game. We've got one What I found amazing about that, by the way, hardly anyone asked him to repeat himself. Oh, yeah. Did you listen to the last <laughs> podcast when he said, like, uh, your mam at one point talking about someone's <laughs> mum? And he, he said, uh, have you, what have you seen on the film? And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. my God. I, we can't understand him, but Americans apparently can. Yeah. Who would, who would have thought? Brilliant. Um, so, <laughs> the, uh, so we've got interviews coming up later in the show with Aqib Talib, Chris Harris, who had a phenomenal game. Chris Harris, who was in so much pain in his shoulder that on Saturday he couldn't brush his teeth. It's and right. yet... He got someone to do it for him. He played that most... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he had poor dental hygiene. I Good. just think he got some assistance. Uh, Evan Mathis as well, obviously a free agent signing this summer on that offensive line. And legendary tight end, Shannon Sharp. So lots of big name interviews. They're going to come up later on as we chat to Sherry. We'll also break down the Cardinals and the Panthers game. Uh, talking... Well, I mean, I think we'll probably talk about that game a little less. Because we thought that was going to be a tight, exciting game and the first game was going to be an absolute blowout to the Pats. And it ended up being the literal exact opposite of what we expected. What does anyone know? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Unless you're Ken Jeong, <laughs> you know nothing about football. Or Iron Mike Carlson, who I mocked on Five Life for being the... Uh, no, on Americanage for being the only person I know who picked Denver. Um, yeah, I don't know anyone that picked Denver. No, it was just Mike. And Mike was right. Yeah. I hate admitting that, but well done, Mike. Well done. Uh, so we're going to talk all about that as well. And we're going to do a bit of a preview forward to Super Bowl 50 because this is our last podcast before we are out in San Francisco and we'll bring you as many as six podcasts in eight days. That's what we're going to aim at. Probably we'll try and keep them nice and short for you. Um, so we asked for your questions, your tweets, etc. Most of you came back asking, looking forward to this game. So we'll do a little bit of a prediction and an early indicator of how we think that game is going to go. All sound good? Yeah, great. Great stuff. Right, we'll be dialing up Matt Sherry in just a moment, but before we get to this weekend's games, there were a few bits and pieces of news. Ollie, give me a news drop. Let's go crackers with the Packers! <laughs> Reports coming out today that uh, the long-lamented Ted Thompson's close-to-the-vest take-few-chances approach to free agency team building has started to piss off Mike McCarthy as well. Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, one of the most, uh, one of the best beat reporters around, we have to say, someone we've had on the show before, is reporting that McCarthy is fed up with their conservative approach to free agency, feeling that it is costing them the opportunity to go all the way. I mean, signing Julius Peppers two years ago was, uh, was somewhat of an anomaly, and that's worked out brilliantly well. Other than that, they've barely done anything in free agency the last couple of years, yeah. and if they want to be a Super Bowl team, maybe that's where they need to be going. Well, you look at some of the other teams and what they they end up picking up in free agency uh, for instance chris johnson uh, for the cardinals cardinals it, he helped them to some some really good form in the middle of the season and that's the kind of thing that the packers don't do and, and not just chris johnson but they signed Valdir and they signed eu patty on the left hand side yeah. of that line so they basically turned what was an average to below average run game into one of their strengths and uh, it really helped them to where they got to this season so Keep an eye out for that situation developing in Green Bay. The uh, 49ers uh, have begun their Chip Kelly cuts. Eric Mangini has been fired. They say this uh, podcast is not a Homer podcast. We've started with Packers, <laughs> Packers and Seahawks news. Uh, You're a what's disgrace. Packers and who? 
Sorry, uh, 49ers. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm a disgrace. disgrace. Um, uh, They've offered Curtis Modkins the offensive coordinator job. Who? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Mangini firing. He's, he's the, um, the the Lions uh, running coach. Uh, the, I have an issue with firing Mangini because I think he did brilliantly last year with uh, a defense which lost eight of its starters. And they had, they had a, a not a great year, but a good year considering the personnel. And that's a bit of a shame to see him go. I understand when a new coach comes in, they need to bring their own guys in, etc., but yeah, I just thought that was a little bit of a shame. Uh, the Eagles have inked Zach Ertz to a five-year, $42 million extension because I thought it was only Chip Kelly who made bad personnel moves in uh, that's Philadelphia. Un- that's unbelievable. Look, Ertz had over 800 yards this year, seventh in the, in the ranking of tight ends per yard. Only two touchdowns. And I don't know whether that's down to uh, the scheme in and around... Uh, Philadelphia, but we were led to believe, I thought, that the tight end would be far more part of the the impact of Chip Kelly's offense. I don't know whether Ertz has deserved that forty two million bucks at all. Well he's he's grown into the he's grown into the year and I did think he got better as the year went on. He's only twenty five, so I totally understand them re signing him. But when you talk about uh tight end guaranteed money, only Jimmy Graham, Julius Thomas and Rob Gronkowski are gonna have more money per year than he has and have bigger contracts than he has. So you're suggesting that he's only behind those three guys in terms of their quality at tight end. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that that's the truth. Tony Romo is planning planning to have surgery on his collarbone to finally fix the issue which has been plaguing him for the last two years what why why is well why are we only hearing about this now why didn't he decide to do it when he re-injured it however many months ago it was he's broken that clavicle three times over the last five years and uh yeah it's looking like he i mean he's saying now that he thinks he can still play in this league for the next four or five years so that's going to be another storyline to follow in the off-season. Uh, ben Roethlisberger thinks that his 2016 is going to be his best year as a quarterback. I, I mean, I think if you've got fitness on the field, then yes, I believe that's be true. I think he's got better and better and better these last few years. Considering he won two Super Bowls in the early part of his career, I actually think he's played his best football in the last two seasons. And if they can keep Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and everyone on the field at the same time, and I think invest in a, a tight end with a high pick, then yeah, I like uh, it. Yeah, because if there are a few things, maybe we could do this uh, as part of some shows at the end of the season, but things you'd love to get rid of in the NFL. My, one of mine would be Heath. Oh, I love Heath Miller, but he's just, uh, he's not, he's old. And they don't really have a short passing game. It's deep passes or uh, throwing it to the running backs in the flats. They don't have that intermediate passing game of guys getting over the middle and mm. getting themselves open. And they, if they had a top quality tight end there, in addition to everything else they've got, then they would be completely unstoppable, I believe. Offense-wise, yes, but they need to do bigger and better things on their defence. No doubt about it. And finally, Marshawn Lynch is leaning heavily towards retirement, according to the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, John Snyder. See, we did get some Seahawks news. We just didn't start with it. Yeah, I didn't really want us to. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care about that story. Uh, uh, Right. In which case, I just wanted to make sure we touched on the news because I cut out some of the news from the last podcast. Why did you do that? Because it was so long. Yeah. It was like over an hour and a half long once we had all the interviews in there. And we've got all these interviews to work into the show today. 
say uh we'll continue we'll chat away and we'll talk about what we did last night as well but let's get matt sherry dialed up shall we so joining us now live from the mile high city we don't know what kind of mood he is in he seemed to pretty accepting of the situation last night uh, obviously as a patriots fan he has spent many many times enjoying these afc championship games but for the third time manning has got the best of his team uh, is it despondency or are you just excited about two weeks time now matt sherry yeah i'm pretty excited i think um it's a difficult one because after seeing what i saw yesterday i'm not overly convinced that the Patriots would have done anything in the super bowl anyway so <laughs> i'd rather lose in the championship game i think but yeah i mean it's a funny one because i thought they were totally outplayed in the first half and it probably should have been behind by more. But actually, they were probably the best team in the second half. They had last three possessions all were in the red zone, so there were kind of a few missed opportunities in there. But I, th- I, th- I think that Denver defensive performance was so great that it would have been unjustified had they not won. Let's start off with talking about that defence. The Broncos pass rush uh, hit tw- uh, Tom Brady 20 times in the game last night. 15 of those coming from Von Miller, Derek Wolf, and DeMarcus Ware, just the three of them. And when you talk uh, 20 hits from a quarterback in one game, to go back and find the last time that happened, you have to go back to 2003. Like Seeing that pass rush live, and I... I genuinely believe and I said it about the Steelers game is that I think that defence weren't as good as they started off the season as being and it just seemed that last night they just took over this game entirely I, I, I just unbelievably impressed was it a case if they matched up well against the Patriots O-line and finally those injuries started to show or was this just way Phillips coaching a beautiful game I, I think a combination of both um, I think we said this in the preview show but the Kansas City game was kind of fool's gold because Houston obviously barely played and Harley was injured. I mean, Marcus Cannon isn't a very good tackle. <laughs> yes, Volmer, we, can, we can all agree on that. Volmer um, is not a left tackle and, and was struggling with an ankle injury. And actually, Josh Klein, the guard, who has been probably their most consistent offensive lineman this season, was absolutely dreadful in this game. He was easily the worst of the of the five guys in there. So Five guys. <laughs> That didn't help. I'd, one thing I noticed in the game is that, that Tom Brady's snap count was seemingly identical on every play. So I don't know whether there was a mistake made in that. He didn't seem to vary it up for, for whatever reason. Maybe that was because of the, the crowd noise. But, but I think there were a lot of players where the um, where the Denver line had the snap count read, which is probably why they were so quick to beat the tackles. But yeah, and, and, and Wade Phillips did a great job as well. I mentioned on Five Live last night that I thought one of the big keys was going to be stunts inside, which the Patriots have been terrible at defending all year anyway. And they did a lot of that kind of thing. And Yeah, and I mean, any time you can get Tom Brady to throw an interception and not see a linebacker going to coverage in his own red zone, you've had a great game regardless. And that was obviously the highlight. But yeah, I think the fact that he was out of the, year, out of the league for a year last year is is completely mind-boggling at this point. Uh, Matt, two interceptions very early on in the game from Brady. Do you think he was worried, not worried, but surprised at how quickly the Miller and the rest of the, the Denver defence was upon him? Uh, I do, yeah. And I actually think the Patriots got a, a massive shock in that first half because in electing to receive the ball, they were kind of saying, right, we're going to be able to do what we did last week. And then... I think they quickly found out that they couldn't and I think it took them two quarters to 
to recover from the realisation that this was going to be a little bit more challenging than I thought it was going to be. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen that we've seen those games from Brady before. He's a great quarterback, but like any quarterback, he doesn't like pressuring. It's when he starts kind of seeing ghosts, I guess. And, I, and, and that was always going to be the key for Denver. I think Denver actually played the perfect game with the exception of the of the lateral that wasn't picked up. I think that they did exactly what they needed to do, which was to get to Brady early and then create those doubts in his mind because later on there were some sacks where Brady had a bit more time than he thought. But because of the earlier doubts in the mind, he's kind of desperately trying to get the ball out. So, yeah, I just thought it was a, a perfect game from Denver and, and they deserve to get to the Super Bowl. And even as a Patriots fan now, I'm kind of hoping that they can win the Super Bowl because it would be a nice story for for Manning at the end of his career. No doubt it would be an incredible storyline and certainly something we will uh, we'll be discussing a little bit later and plenty when we're out in San Francisco. I want to talk about the second half and I want to talk about the decisions and, and the you know the Patriots actually having probably three separate chances to get back into this game. Obviously, uh, it, the... The, the missed, uh, extra point has got to hurt at the end of the day because that was prevented them from doing what the, uh, Packers got to do last week and taking an extra point to go to overtime. But actually, uh, uh, not just the pass rush, but I just want to talk about the coverage as well because there was one man in particular, Chris Harris, and we spoke about it earlier on. This is a guy who couldn't lift his two year old child up or brush his teeth on Saturday. And he had an unbelievable game, as as did I thought Darren Stewart, T.J. Ward, Shiloh Keogh, all made plays over the middle, uh, over uh, on Edelman, on Amendola, and actually, it was at every level of that defense that the Broncos were brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think I think that was the most important thing, really. Obviously, Von Miller gets a lot of the credit, but the main reason he could get there was because those guys, particularly in the first two seconds after the snap, were, were doing a great job in coverage. I mean. The Chris Harris situation is remarkable because he literally couldn't lift his arm above his shoulder, uh, above his head, sorry. But I just think it was kind of a a victory for Fellum's study because I think more often than not he knew which route Julian Edelman was going to run and he was just absolutely superb. And, and I think that was what made the performance so special was that it wasn't just a pass rush, it was a complete defensive performance from the entire unit and yeah, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a better performance. I think back to the Seahawks against the Broncos a couple of years ago is one that stands out, but I, I thought that performance yesterday was equally as good. And who knows, maybe he borrowed a few of Manning's wife's prescription drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear from those guys, because you, you got into the locker room after the game and uh, uh, chatted to a, a few players. I'm going to hear from some of the guys in the offence in a little while, but let's hear from two of those guys in that secondary. We'll start off with Aqib Tlaib, and then we'll hear from Chris Harris. We had a good four-man rush, good pressure. I've seen him looking at Gronk, and uh, I mean, I've seen him looking at Edelman. I was able to get my hands on him. It may have been. I, I can't even remember what we called. I just know I end up on Julian. Yeah, it was zero, matter of fact. I was on Edelman. We just brought the pressure. We made him make a fast decision, and uh, I got my hand on the football. So what did, you, did you see it come in and know, did you know he was going to go to Edelman, or how did you get your hand on it? What, what happened? Well, I, when Edelman came in motion, I knew he was running one or three routes, you know. He came in he was going across, he was going back out, or he was stopping. He stopped right there, so I was I was on him. Uh, time had that pressure on him. And the first person he seen was Edelman. He tried to get it to him. I was able to get my hand on him. Did you feel it pop up? I felt it pop up, and I seen it. I was hoping I was hoping one of our guys came catch it. 
came out of nowhere, came and got it. Is that a scary feeling when it pops up and you don't know? I'm gonna say scary. You know, I don't ever use the word scary. Yeah. You know, but it, it was an intense moment. I was falling on the ground and the ball was in the air. So I own it. Like I was wondering how many more stops you guys had in you. I mean, you had fourth down stop, fourth down stop, another time. We're just gonna play till that clock says zero, zero, zero. Oh. Thank y'all. I'm getting the shower, man. <laughs> we had to put hands on them, disrupt that time, and give them give them time, man. Because if we don't cover good, Brady can get the ball out in a second every time. Yeah. So it took the coverage to be able to get them those two or three seconds, and then once that happened, it was over. How did you get your poise back after? They scored, you know, like in 2018. How did you get, I mean, oh, yeah. you immediately get back in the moment. How did you guys do that? Man, we've been we've been in these situations all year, man. I can think of Chicago game, a Vikings game. It's, I mean, it's happened all season like this. So it's nothing new for us. So we know that it's never over. It's actually, exactly. Chicago game, actually, because you thought you had, you had to stop, yeah. and then you had to go back out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been like this all year, if you watch this. And we've won these type of games all season. So, I mean, the whole Brady under 20 points. We had number one offense, number one quarterback. They got the most dominant tight end receiver in the league. And we had him under 20 points. That's all that matters. Exactly. And we, we spotted him seven on the fumble. Did you talk to Brady after the game? No, I ain't talking to him. It's 11 times you guys won by seven or less. No team in NFL history has ever done that. So when it comes down to the, the 12 seconds left, you go in there, so you got to hold him at two. Is your heartbeat like just normal? I mean, you guys are used to this? Yeah, we're really used to it. I mean, guys really don't panic, and that's what it takes every time, man. We've been in these situations all season, like I said, and that's really prepared us for this time. Uh, I think in the past we've had a lot of blowouts. We've beat teams by a lot of points, so we don't have those. We didn't never get into situations like this, but we've been in these situations all year, so it's normal for us now. It don't. It doesn't. It doesn't phase us with the game on the line, fourth down. It doesn't phase us anymore. So. We're used to that, and I don't know how many fourth down stops we had today. But, but even on the fourth down, when Gronk scores, when he, oh, yeah. when he goes through you, I mean, oh, yeah. No nerves, man. No, I mean we've been doing this all year, so I mean they just made a play, man. It's Gronkowski. Yeah. <laughs> He's the most dominant player in the league. Yeah. Uh, receiver. Nobody can I mean you can barely guard this man. So to be able to uh hold him under twenty points, I mean that's a, they asked us to hold him under twenty points. That's what we did today. How, how big a difference is, is Wade Phillips made to the defense? Coach Ray's been great. He's been an awesome addition. Um, he understands what we're good at. He, yeah. he gave us our identity, and we trust. We bought into that, and we've we've been the same the whole season. We haven't changed, and that's one thing that we love about him. And how how did must take a lot from kind of the complete performance today? Von Miller will get a lot of headlines, but the reason he could get those stats is because you were guys were yeah. covering in the first two seconds of snaps. Oh yeah, that's what we wanted to do uh, all week. People were saying we couldn't cover, we couldn't cover these guys. They were going to shred us. Brady was going to throw for 300, 400 yards, and uh, we just want to come out and prove a point. And how was the shoulder? It was getting better. I'm definitely fighting through it. There was one more where you threw the guy on the sideline, and that, that sort of. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's football, man. You got to play through pain, and uh, to go to Super Bowl, man, I just had to fight through it. And two weeks now to to get it even better. Oh yeah, two weeks, man. I should I should be closer to 100 as I could be. Brilliant. Good luck. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks, man. Hey, keep to leave. Oh yeah, I'm gonna play in later. That's fine. So uh, yeah. just leave a little gap. 
Akeem Talib and Chris Harris there. Chris Harris sounded like a lot of fun. And actually, that, the atmosphere in that locker room after the game sounded uh, sounded pretty positive, to be fair. You've just won an AFC championship game. That, a championship game. That's not a surprise. But I can remember with the Patriots last year in the Super Bowl locker room, there was a sense of relief. Whereas actually for the Broncos, I guess when you're the underdog, you, it's not relief. It's just got to be uh, pure joy. What was it like in that locker room after the game? Yeah, that, that was it. I mean, they were very relaxed on on the Friday as well, and I think you kind of pointed out pointed that out, having listened to the interviews. But yeah, it was it was very much a carnival atmosphere. I got I got the sense that that they knew they'd pulled off something special, particularly the guys on the on the defensive side of the ball. I think that I think there was almost a level of shock and jubilation in a lot of the things that were saying because of just how effectively the game plan had worked. And I think they they headed into that game known how difficult the job it was going to be. So, not saying they headed into the game thinking they were going to lose. I'm sure they were they were confident, <laughs> but I think they were I think they were well aware of, of that they would have to play a virtually perfect game to win, and that's exactly what they did. So let's just talk quickly about the Patriots' chances to win the game. Then uh, beyond the, and I mean, there were some plays in that second half when Brady did make plays that were unbelievable. The 40-yard throw to Rob Gronkowski is one of the best throws and catches I've seen in the NFL this season, and maybe any season. Certainly, yeah, it was incredible. It, it, certainly in the postseason. And to be fair, the play he made in the back of the end zone to catch the touchdown. I mean, my initial reaction watching it at, at full speed live was that he must have stepped out of the back of the end zone before coming back in to catch it. The fact that he somehow managed to stay in bounds was ludicrous. Um, but did Belichick get it wrong? He issued field goal tries on two fourth downs when you were eight points down, you could have brought it within a touchdown. In that fourth quarter, do you think it was a case of that Broncos defense had been so dominant he knew you needed a touchdown? And but, Or do you think he could have gone for the points and that would have been uh, the, the, the positive move to have made? It's interesting. I've, kind of, I've, I've watched back a bit of the game, and you, and you look at moments in games that change it that seem fairly insignificant at the time. Before the first fourth and fourth down, which became a fourth and one, Danny Amendola actually made an unbelievable play when it was going to probably be about fourth and five. And I think at that point they kicked the field goal, but Amendola ended up being one yard short, and that ultimately might have cost them the game, bizarrely enough. But I understood the fourth in one because I think that they had struggled to get to the red zone all game. Um, and yeah, I and the Broncos have one. the best red zone defense in the league as well. Something I researched today, Ollie. <laughs> Good work, bud. <laughs> I think they've got the best defense in the league at everything, haven't they? But yeah, I, I understood the fourth in fourth and one. I actually said in the press box at fourth and six that I would kick the field goal because they had the. the three timeouts plus the two-minute warning at that stage. And there was no way that the Broncos were going to risk throws with Manning. They might have tried one, but there was kind of no evidence that the Broncos were going to be able to make a first down based on the fact that they scored three points in the entire second half. So I thought the fourth and six was a mistake. They'd just driven down the field twice quickly, so there was evidence that they could do it, and they knew they would have about two minutes to do it, likely with half-decent field position. So I definitely think you got the second one wrong. I kind of understood the first one. But in the end, it's it's the way the game goes. I mean, the big mistake on the final drive was the two-point conversion because Rob Gronkowski was wide open towards the back of the end zone. So And Brady just didn't see him. And I, I, When you add that up with the fact that you have a kicker who hadn't missed an extra point in 520 attempts and Tom Brady, who never misses things like that, doesn't see his open guy on the key play, and 
the Amendola drop that you forget about now that would have been a first down and probably would have put the Patriots within yeah. one with about is, two Is that the one where he had left. about five steps and you were going, mm, yeah. yeah, that's probably a catch, guys. <laughs> I'd done a fortunate, though, because his, his, his knee was down before the before the ball came out. So if it was ruled to catch, I think it would have been a Patriots first down. But, yeah, I mean, I just think it was one of those days you, you count the cost of all those missed opportunities, but also you kind of add those crazy situations together and it's just one of those situations where you look back and think maybe it just wasn't meant to be for the Patriots on the day. So we, we've talked about the Patriots and, we, and we've talked about the Broncos' defence and obviously we're going to be talking plenty about the Broncos out in San Francisco. But last thing with you before we get on to Evan Math- Mathis and Shannon Sharp. Uh, from my perspective of watching the game, I thought the first drive from uh, Peyton Manning was uh, just an absolute masterclass. The way he rolled out on the bootleg, the, the setting up of the... Uh, the setting up of the play action, the the run game, it was all, you know, it looked like Peyton Manning of 2013, not the broken down 2015, 2016 Manning we've seen. Did you see it as the the way they came out in the second half and only scored those three points? Was that a case of them being conservative and putting it on the defense? Or do you think there was a, a lack of quality on the offense in that second half when they probably could have closed the game out? Um, I actually think the Denver offense was, was terrible all game. I mean, not that first, but... <laughs> That first drive was was in theory really good, but they were third and ten at the start of it. The Patriots played fifteen yards off coverage and give them a, an easy first down, which was a big mistake that they didn't repeat for the rest of the game. Um, and and the whole drive was just defensive breakdowns from the Patriots, including the touchdown where they rushed guys onto the field late and and Jamie Collins. I'm almost certain didn't know that he was meant to be covering on Daniels. It seemed that him and Devin McCarty were having a an argument about that and and then ultimately the second touchdown was from a red zone interception and the let me think I can't think of the other field goal drive but the second half field goal drive was just one big CJ Anderson run so I, I didn't think the Denver offense was was very good at all to be honest and and that would be a major concern for for me in the Super Bowl didn't think Manning played well I thought his throw to Daniels for the second touchdown was brilliant but other than that there was a lot of a lot of rubbish in there. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't think there were many positives to take from the Denver offence, but when you've got a defence that good, you might only need to score 17 points to win in the Super Bowl so they'll have a chance. But, yeah, I, I just thought the Patriots came out really, really sloppy in the game at the start, and I think that ultimately cost them. And, and you kind of look at everything in totality, the decision to, to receive, and whether that kind of throws them out of kilter a little bit, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, that, that first series defensively from the Patriots was like watching the Pittsburgh Steelers in the middle of the year. It was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. So, that's, that's I, such I, a harsh comparison. I, uh, look, uh, Sherry, I, we, well, I know you've got to go and get a flight to catch. Aren't, are you going from Denver to Texas now? I am, yeah. I'm off to Dallas for a week. And, and then, well, we'll see you in a week's time anyway tonight. In fact, it'll literally be... We will be landing exactly seven days from now to the minute, almost. Right now? Yeah, so we landed at like 2.20 in the afternoon, and it's now 10.20 in the evening. So literally, seven days we'll be landing in San Francisco and going wow. through that ball lake of American security. So we'll see you'll you probably, at- <laughs> You'll probably be leaving the airport, actually, because it's actually 20 past three. When, yeah, but Denver's an hour ahead of San Francisco. Is it? I yeah. thought San Francisco Denver's was mount- six, Denver's mountain time. Four. San Francisco's eight hours. Four time zones in America, buddy. You can look it up. I'm definitely right. 
you're all right. <laughs> I was going to edit that out. Now I'm leaving it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so we'll hear from Evan Ma- Mathis and Shannon Sharp. Look, have a good week, bud, and uh, we will catch up with you uh, when we arrive in SF. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Look forward to it. Cheers, blood. Ta-ra. Obviously, you've, right. you, were, you came over from Philadelphia early this year. Is this kind of the dream situation for a guy at this stage of your career? This is, I guess, why you came to this team. There's probably no better words to describe it than dream situation. Um, I wanted to be on a contender. Yeah. And, you know, back in August, when I came to make that decision, I thought Denver was that team. And when I got there, I believed that even more. You know, time it's just you know, the group of guys we have here it's a great group of guys you know across the organization so yes I mean I, I could not be happier with how it's worked out so far and, and what's it like for, a, for an older guy like yourself to suddenly find yourself playing behind Peyton Manning I imagine that's kind of an extra nice touch at the end of a career oh yeah it's great I mean it's playing with all these guys yeah. this, this, is a, this is I mean I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now but, yeah, to have the opportunity to play with all these guys is a you know, it's, it's a dream come true. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, it's an amazing experience. It's something I mean, I'm going to look back on for the rest of my life and be grateful that I was able to do. Yeah, and it's obviously the ultimate team game, but your your block to three CG Anderson in the second half ultimately set up the, the three points that won the game. It must be nice to kind of have an integral part in a player that helps lead this team to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's a team game. Uh, it takes you know, it, it, it takes everyone. Um, we wish, you know, we probably wish we were a little more dominant and had a little more success yeah. up front, but you can't really expect too much when you're going against the defending world champs who came out, had a great game plan, played their asses off. Um, but we just kept believing, kept fighting through uh, whatever adversity came our way. Um, and just stuck, you know, stuck with our plan. Yeah, and a lot of attention now is obviously going to be on Peyton and it's essentially been his last year, but a guy like yourself, another guy on the defense, Demarcus, where guys who have had great careers can potentially captain with the Super Bowl now. Does that give you that kind of extra motivation? Man, my motivation is maxed out. Yeah. Whatever it comes from, you know, I've pulled it from everywhere, mostly intrinsic. <laughs> but, I mean, my mother, I mean, could not be more motivated than I am right now. And I guess you're pretty excited now for two weeks, then? Oh, yeah, I'm ecstatic about it. Uh, really looking forward to it. To 2000, the Patriots didn't exist. So all their fans like to look, well, from 2001, you didn't bring Brady and Belichick. The fact of the matter is, the Broncos play well against the football team and uh, I'm not surprised kids I've been trying to tell kids all year me and kids you know a lot of times we, we, we tweet but then sometimes we want our conversation to be private and we, we direct message each other but I kids if they have a healthy Gronk Brady Edelman they don't tell them what would have happened today oh they had those guys didn't they that might have been one of the most impressive in a Broncos uniform I've ever seen. I'm not surprised because I remember going to the AFC Championship in 91. And you remember the Buffalo Bills and they had the K-Gun. And Wade's defense held them to 150 total yards in four quarters. And that was the 
number one scoring offense in football. I just felt if we didn't, if the Broncos didn't turn the football over offensively, they made the one careless mistake. But if I felt that they made the Patriots earn everything they got, they had an excellent chance to win this ball game. But that defense, Von Miller, he came alive today. Malik, Wolf, Ward, man, that front seven, they did an unbelievable job. They did a great job on Gronk. I mean, that throw to Gronk down there at the end to get him down there, they're playing it in and out. And the only way you can be in and out coverage is run straight up the field. Because they're play- one guy's playing in the break in, the other guy's playing in the break out. And he goes between them. Brady made a great, a great throw. Gronk made an unbelievable catch. But at the end of the day, you needed to make one more play. Two-point conversion, and then you needed to get the onside. And they were able to do that, and now they're going to see both 50. I'm so proud of this football team after all the adversity they've been through because you think about it, nobody's had to overcome what they've had to overcome. You know, Peyton and his struggles early, and then Brock, and then what does Gary do? Um, you know, does he go back to Peyton? Does he stay with Osweiler? You know, he had to do what he felt from his heart. At the end of the day, there's no analytics, there's no statistics. You got It's got to be a gut feel, and you've got to go with it and say, guys, this is who I feel gives us the best chance to win, and we're going to ride with it. Oh, and Daniel's unbelievable. Um, that's the way you 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 could you could attack these guys. Uh, Owen is a guy. He's been with Coob his whole his whole career. Uh, he understands what the quarterback sees, and uh, when given an opportunity, he made plays. And that's what you have to have in this game. When you get an opportunity, you got to make a play. And when opportunity presented itself to him, I think he only had like one or two catches, but both were for touchdowns. So you can't be mad at that at all. What did, what did Peyton show you in the first half? Well, I mean. Peyton mind is look, as we get older, some of our physical abilities that leave us. We can't run as fast, we can't jump as high, we can't throw as far. But his mind is sharp. And what he was able to do is get the Broncos into when they had a bad play, they were outnumbered, he got them into a good play. And when they had a good play on, he got them into a better play. And he made the throws that he had to make. Um, he, sure, I'm sure he'll tell you he, he missed a couple he loved to have back. But he didn't have the they didn't have the turnover offensively that put this team in, in, a, in a bad situation. And even when the defense, you know, the offense gave him a short field, the defense played a heck of a ball game. Von Miller, Malik, that front four, D. Ware, those guys played unbelievable ball game today. And uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I told them, don't be satisfied. You, you, you one step closer to what you ultimately want to accomplish. Enjoy this moment. But uh, they'll be ready to go back to work next week and uh, hopefully finish it off at Super Bowl 50. You've been in that position of kind of having a legendary quarterback who is towards the end of his career trying to win another Super Bowl. Obviously, it's the Super Bowl and the motivation is the highest anyway, but does it give you that extra motivation as another guy? Well, my thing is I just want to make sure I'm prepared. I'm going to make sure that I don't do anything that's going to cost the football game. I'm going to make sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to know, and then we'll go from there. Everybody's motivated because I don't think anybody in this locker room has ever won a Super Bowl, Uh, and that was one of the luxuries. We had a few guys that come from a a Super Bowl winning team, but for the most part, we're just trying to accomplish our goal of winning the Super Bowl. We didn't have a whole lot of guys that had Super Bowl winning experience. And so now you just want to make sure, hey, next week is a great week of practice. You're going to do all your install. Because once you get down there, it's basically going to be a dress rehearsal. Your time is so constricted. Yeah. Everybody
like, you know, you got so many media obligations, but those guys will be ready to play. Kuv has been in this position before, and so he knows what to do. And, and how does a guy like Wade Phillips have a year out of football last year? Because he's, he's friendly, one of the better coaches. He's, he's one of the great defensive minds in football, and uh, he believes in his guys. Sometimes he believes in his guys maybe too much, but he understands that, you know what, guys? We got guys that can go get the quarterback. We got guys that can cover. Hey, let's do what we do. And they did a great job of that today. They held a very, very good football team with all their pieces intact to 19 points. Yeah. To 19 points. And uh, that that's, that speaks volume to what kind of coach he is and what kind of players he's coaching. So thanks to Sherry uh, out in Denver and also uh, great stuff hearing from Evan Mathis and Shannon Sharp there talking about... Uh, <laughs> I love to stuff about the Patriots. I love that and, stuff. Yeah, that's very funny. And uh, also, obviously, what it's like when you're a player playing and a, a legacy like Manning's. And we can't underrate how massive it is. Payer Manning, you know, 7,000... He only needs to pass for 60 more yards to go past 72,000 passing yards in his career. He's got 539 touchdowns, five MVP awards. And I, I think Sherry was harsh on the Denver offense. I thought they weren't as as good as say we've seen from Carolina, Arizona, New England they're probably the worst of the four who were left in this weekend but I think that first drive was better than he was saying I, there were blown defensive coverages mm-hmm. but when you've got someone like Peyton Manning he's the guy who spots those open guys and he's the guy who completes to them and, and gives you those opportunities I have some concerns about how they will match up against the Carolina defence and we'll get onto that in a little while but uh the fact of the matter is, is Broncos are 11-3 and this season, if you include the playoffs, in games decided by seven points or less. That's the most wins in NFL history by such a tight margin. And they just seem to be game-planning teams perfectly. They seem to be doing everything they need to do. The defense steps up at the right time. Special teams, we can't underrate what the special teams did. Colquitt had an amazing day. Think about how many of um, Brady's drives started from within his own five, from within his own ten. Mm. Uh, I know we, we don't give enough love to punters, so I thought they played Kick watch. <laughs> do you want us? Do you want a little stab on? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got it. We've, we're gonna have another one coming up later as well. So. Kick watch. He, he had a brilliant day, and all in all, I um, I Denver deserve to be in the Super Bowl based on this performance. I think, yeah, Sherry was unfair. <laughs> Just to get that point in, he was unfair. <laughs> but I think actually, the Denver offense was more efficient than flashy or sexy or anything like that okay manning was 17 out of 32 and ronnie hillman rushed for 1.5 yards per carry (laughs) but cj anderson over four emmanuel sanders caught some clutch balls we've got the um that could be a drop clutch balls uh (laughs) we've got the two catches from owen daniels the only two he caught all day both for touchdowns tight spiral balls those as well Uh, i just think it was far more an efficient offensive performance then when you factor in how good they were on defense and as you said the 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 special teams it it was a a really good performance ram it (laughs) Uh, somebody suggested i needed to get a drop of you doing that i'm like why would i need to i can just make him say it any time that i like uh ram it the uh, rich tweets us about this game in particular should kubiak be getting more praise for the job that he's done and a secondary question will will ever learn a lesson from eating at the hippodrome would you like to address the uh, 
Second question first. Well, okay, so first of all, the wings at the Hippodrome, which Rich Wyatt has warned me about in the past, uh, particularly the hot wings, do not do good things to your uh, digestive tract. To your digestive tract. To anyone's no, digestive tract. No, 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 because tract. I'm fine with those hot wings. Well, Rich, oh, I know at least four people who have had problems with di their digestive system after eating those hot wings, and I'm okay with hot food generally. Um, but the other reason he says it is I did step up and do the hot dog challenge with Paolo Bandini last night, and I knew I, I'm, I'm annoyed <laughs> myself because i got peer pressured into it at like 11 30 when i'd already eaten a massive plate of nachos there was no way i was ever gonna do it you still did it and I, and I went for it and i ate all three sausages and one and a half of the buns but there was this onion relish on the inside of the bun that was this stodgy cold like te uh, texture of vomit i honestly the reason i stopped blaming the relish you know with about 90 seconds left i potentially could have still eaten both those buns if i'd really forced it but i had nearly thrown up three times at that point <laughs> i like honestly like sick into my throat like oh, i thought i covered it pretty well but do you know what the other thing is when i saw some other people doing that challenge a few weeks earlier all of their friends were like come on john you can do it get like really egging him on all we got from you lot was all we got was you winding us up and taking the piss and the, like the best trying was, to stop us from doing it the best thing was half of not half but a, a good 20 people came and watched and there were two american girls it was it was about half the venue yeah, that, by the time the pats had lost yeah. oh my god that place emptied out that, that was very funny but uh, two american girls were just flat out abusing both of you yeah. for being rubbish at eating competition and do you know what the thing was uh, it was there was meant to be one spicy sausage and two normal sausages but not only were all like I'm like I say I'm okay with spicy food, but it was one of those things where the mustard was quite hot, the sausages were quite hot, both the spicy one and the regular one, <laughs> and and you know when you eat a lot of hot food, yeah. it's not the single bite that hurts you, it but it's that up. slow build. By the end, my lips were on fire, <laughs> my tongue was on fire. I was just like, I think I could do it. If you take the onion relish out of the situation and take the spiciness, like maybe take the mustard off and just have ketchup. I'll take double ketchup if that's what it needs to be. Th there was cheese on it as well. Why was there cheese? It's because oh. it's the challenge. Oh, it was it's horrendous. the challenge. Yeah, that's I did not. Got to do. I did not do well. All right, Kubiak. More, uh, <laughs> more praise. <laughs> um, Yes and no, because actually, I mean, we're going to talk about it. I think when we talk about the um, uh, the bit of the Super Bowl preview, but I think yes but wade phillips deserves a lot of praise the way he schemed for this patriots offense was perfect he saw what the weaknesses were he knew how to attack them with that defense and we always talk about belichick and brady being the perfect situational football coach and quarterback wade phillips is playing perfect situational defense right now he did it against the steelers he did it again against the patriots you give him two weeks to prepare for for um, Cam and that heavy sets offense and that running game and actually that's going to be the most fascinating battle on the field is whether Wade Phillips can scheme and beat Cam Newton and his offense mm -hmm. at their game and if he can that's their best chance of winning the Super Bowl I, I completely understand why the Panthers have opened up favorites so yes Kubiak deserves some love but I put more on Wade Phillips and what they've done with the defense well I would say it is mainly Wade Phillips I, if we're going to percentageize it not a word. I would say it's sort of 85-90% Wade Phillips. Kubiak, he's a former offensive coordinator, a former former offensive guy. These guys generally, even when they go up to head coach, they don't get involved with the defense, and especially Wade Phillips' defense. That is his defense, not Kubiak's defense. Defense won the, won the game. 
Peyton Manning hasn't looked like a great quarterback for the last 18 months, uh, or the last season and a half, shall we say. And I think that some of that is down to Kubiak. So... I'm, I'm, I'm all in the Phillips camp on this. And, and actually, I think, uh, Peyton Manning, some praise has to go to him. And they were saying this, uh, to, to, not to lift, to lift it directly from somebody else, to give some praise. They were saying this on the Around the NFL podcast, and I think it's a really good point, is that Manning's come back into that team. And if you compare him with the likes of when Brett Favre came in when he was older, uh, they, those guys who, they try and put everything on their back and act like heroes. He has listened to John Elway, he's listened to Kubiak, and he's gone, right, I'm going to do what I need to do for the team to be successful. He's been humble. And I'm not going to force it. And I thought he showed the, the most mobility he's yeah. shown in this season last night. I thought he showed the best range of passing he's shown last night of all season. And there's just enough there that you think with a two-week break, coaching up, Lots of film, studying. Film. Film. Sorry, yep. Sorry, Sherry. Uh, lots of film. Then that's, th- there is a chance there that even against this dominant Panthers team who have, after last night's win, and let's move on to it now because it's the only sensible place to go. Cam Newton threw for two touchdowns, ran for two more as Carolina's big play defense stifled the top ranked offense in the league in a 49 to 15 romp. Annihilation. Annihilation is quite the word. It was a ridiculous performance. They have, I I mentioned it to you off air a moment ago, but they've scored 30 plus points in eight of their last nine games, the Panthers. The only game they didn't was the loss to the Falcons. So in all of those wins, they have won 10 straight, well, 10 straight this season at home. It racks up to 14, I think, if you include the tail end of the season before as well. This team are a juggernaut right now. He is the top man. He's got to be the MVP, Cam Newton. Why have you... What, you just try to spell juggernaut like that. No, but the thing is, that was already on my screen. You didn't <laughs> see my screen. Because I'd, I'd, I'd just sent something to Sherry where I called them a juggernaut, and you've said juggernaut. That's because the Gridiron uh, Super Bowl preview edition is going to print tomorrow morning, and so we've had to send over our picks today, our early picks. That will be available um, for you in good newsstands. You can order it online at gridiron-magazine.com. And, of course, if you're coming to our Super Bowl party, our Super Bowl uh, official viewing party with NFL UK, we're not one but two players have now been confirmed. No way, so he is confirmed. So we've got two players confirmed. Now, it's we uh, just we, before we announce, and it'll happen in the next two days, they just need to get flights done, contracts signed. I just don't want to shoot our load and then disappoint <laughs> You can't anyone. say that on a family uh, show. And then, and then, you and, really can't. And then, You're a disgrace. <laughs> I don't want to shoot our load and then disappoint our fans. So we're just going to hold it back for the next couple of days, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Only 12 quid. You get free beer. And the point of me mentioning this is you get a free copy of the Gridiron Super Bowl preview when you turn up at the venue. Amazing. All good stuff. Right. Let's talk about this game then, Ollie Hunter. And it's a game where, because I was watching the Royal Rumble at the same time, I <laughs> I was watching this more focused. And then as the Panthers ran away with it, I started to maybe lose a little bit of focus. But um, was there an element to the Cardinals losing this? The Panthers obviously went up big early, and it's what they've been doing recently on a regular basis. But Carson Palmer, who some people were talking about being in the MVP race, just looked like he was dominated by this defence. And... They got turnovers early. He, I think he threw four picks and had two fumbles as well. Yeah. Was this all... Did, did Carson Palmer turn into Bengals' Carson Palmer? At the end of the game, he did. 
four of those, or sorry, three of those picks were in the last two quarters. Actually, he, he, they were kind of still in it in those first two quarters, and oh, otherwise known as the first half. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I almost called you out <laughs> when you said second two quarters, I mean, you in the second half. Yeah, yeah exactly, that's what, exactly <laughs> what I meant. But um, come the end of the game, the Cardinals were chasing it, They he was forcing things where it shouldn't have been forced, but at the start... That Panthers defense was on him like a rocket. We saw that uh, we saw that the Denver defense was on Tom Brady. It was very, very similar. Lots of edge, lots of pressure, right up the middle as well, right in in Carlson's face, and he didn't like it. He didn't like it, and that showed. And then on the other side of the ball, Cam Newton, Cam Newton was was incredible. Uh, some of the throws he was making, throws off, uh, runs after catch. Um, Corey Brown, one eighty-six yard touchdown, which was unbelievable. This was almost the perfect performance by a team now uh to, uh, i wanted to talk about defensive pressure k1 short was incredible up the middle again he forced a fumble kurt coleman picked up two passes tom and Day- thomas davis before he broke his arm and he's still planning to play in super bowl 50 despite breaking his arm that's incredible in that challenge against daniel fells uh he he was all over the field luke keekley killing drives obviously returning the one touchdown for a pick six his second game in a row absolutely brilliant and there was there was a point in the game that we were talking about which kind of summed up the whole game there was a passage of play where the Cardinals were were still very much in the game K1 Short got his forced fumble it was jumped, jumped on by Boston Cam then threw an interception, which Patrick Peterson took off, and it was a it was a bad throw over the top of his receiver. He was unsighted. Didn't see Peterson there. You know, we're going to give Cam Newton a lot of praise over these next few weeks. Let's just say that was a bad throw. He was under pressure as well. Yeah, Peterson nearly returns it for a touchdown. Ted Ginn Jr., who, when he picks him off, is 15, 20 yards behind him in his own end zone, and Patrick Peterson's one of the quickest runners in the league, chases him all the way down to make the tackle 20 yards out, and then Carson Palmer on base the next play throws a pick into the end zone to Kirk Coleman the which th- is, in itself was an incredible catch I mean the athleticism of these guys we'll talk about Ted Jin Ted Jin <laughs> Ted Jin Ooh, I, feel I, like like, I feel like I need I, I, I wrote Ted Jin on Twitter a couple of times <laughs> last night and got called out for it because my <laughs> phone kept auto correcting correcting G correcting uh, auto correct what's, what's amazing is my, my phone auto corrects auto corrects to auto correlation what the hell <laughs> idiot like so I put auto correct fail it comes out auto correlation fail <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it auto-corrected gin to gin to gin. But that was, they were 17 points down. They score a touchdown there, whether it's the Peterson running it in or whether Carson Palmer scores afterwards. Suddenly, it's a 10-point game, maybe a 9-point game yeah. if they go for two. Going in at half-time, and they're really in it. Instead, Carolina picked them off, take a couple of knees, go in at half-time, 17 points up, never really look back. And especially the way of going down, picking off... Their, the Superman, their star man, running it back for 99 yards into the end zone. And it just personifies the whole Panther ethos of not giving up, playing for the team, playing for everyone. And that, that Gin tackle was great. Loved it. Uh, just to talk about the offense as well then, because uh, whilst they thought of as a defensive team and a run game team, Corey Brown's 86-yard touchdown was unbelievably good. Uh, the... Uh, Cam Newton on the day. Are you all right over there? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> just making sure that you're struggling a little bit. No sniffly. Uh, uh, um, his accuracy was uh, amazing. 335 yards on only 28 attempts. Rushed to 47 and two scores, bringing himself up to 13 for the season. I think he's on now. Running touchdowns. Uh, it's just... It felt like a celebration from moment one, and it was great to watch. And I'm actually now at the point with Super Bowl 50 where I'd be happy for either team to win. I know. It, and that is... That's it's, the way it should be. It's so the antithesis of last season. I know. When I had to watch want, the Seahawks you, and the Patriots. You didn't want either team to win. It could have gone to a tie for four quarters <laughs> and then a coin flip to see who won it. I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> uh, but this one, you know, I love the idea of Manning getting one more ring, if only just to mean that he's level with Eli and that, Eli, that nobody ever goes, if he's got less rings than his brother. Uh, I, but I'd also love to see Cam win. I hate the whole thing about people having to go his attitude. There was somebody on the NFL UK fan page on Facebook who... This is just how much path how pathetic rhetoric there is around Cam Newton and his behaviour, which is fun and lively and interesting. The first point was that was brilliant was his um, uh, post match interview. He hadn't watched the AFC Championship game, so at the end of the game, he was interviewed on the field and he went, "Oh man, I don't know who we're going to be facing yet." And uh, just gonna and the guy went, "I can tell you, it's the Denver Broncos." He went, "Ah, oh, the sheriff, excellent." <laughs> 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 and I was like, absolutely brilliant. But uh, he obviously gave the ball, and you could see when the Panthers were getting down into the red zone that the kids were lining up. They were running down the stands to line up on the front to try and get a ball off him. Well, you would, wouldn't um, you? Oh, absolutely. But somebody on the NFL UK Facebook page, and they claimed later it was trolling and he was trying to catch a fish. It wasn't. He was being a knob. Said that he had a go at Cam Newton for only giving the ball over to people in the front row where the seats are more expensive rather than trying to throw it to kids who would have the cheaper seats up high and throw like, it to like, kids like, in first, the first of all you get fined for throwing it yeah. rather than handing it off and just like this whole the whole thing was that he he was being like he was Giving privilege, he was elitist and giving privileged kids more of an opportunity. It was ridiculous, utterly ridiculous, and it made me very angry. This kind of thing that sometimes annoys me about fans, and you get it all over the shop. Just, just get over it. Right, we're going to. Uh, I think we don't need to talk about this game in a huge amount more detail. I think the Arizona Cardinals are in a position now where. I don't want to say this was one and done for them. I don't want to say this was their re their only real opportunity, but they're not going to get that same season out of Chris Johnson. They had to. David Johnson has to step up in a way that he hasn't in the postseason. Just 60 yards from him yesterday. Okay, flow of the game made something of that, but it wasn't a, a, a great performance from the young running back. So he needs to have a great second season. Palmer's probably only got a couple of years left in him. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, you've got a question if he can be as productive as he was this year because he was ridiculously good this year. So this was his best ever year. They're in the same division as the Seahawks, uh, hopefully an improving 49ers, but mainly the Seahawks. It's so hard to go back to the Super Bowl again, just like the Patriots have proved this year. They probably deserve to go to the Super Bowl based on balance of play mm. from the year. Uh, by the way, I didn't want to rub it in too hard, but how funny is it that they lost basically off missing an extra point? That's something that Belichick has been banging on about for about the last ten years that they need to make the extra point harder. It's wonderful. It's glorious. Um, so, but, and also, uh, the Arizona's schedule is going to be that much difficult because they finished top so they they get to then play all of the other top uh, the top division winners so uh, it's going to be hard for the for that doesn't the mean the game against washington though 
Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Freebie! Uh, <laughs> I don't mean it, Washington fans. We love you, really. Josh Hunter did tweet us about this game before we get on to our brief Super Bowl preview, saying, uh, How good is Luke Keekley at 24 years old? Could he go the way of Ray... Could he go down in the Ray Lewis level of middle linebackers? Uh, I, I, <laughs> well, let's hope only on the football field. <laughs> uh, I, glorious. He had a ridiculously good game. As we said, the second pick six in two games. He's amazing in coverage. He's amazing against the run. Actually, I know we're talking about Luke Keekley but there was one play from Thomas Davis in the game that just shows both how athletic and how intelligent this defense is. When uh, he was, I, I think the Cardinals um, went out in the flat and it was a toss to David Johnson. He read the play so early that before the ball was even out of uh, Carson Palmer's hands, he'd gone from five yards behind the line of scrimmage, burst through the line of scrimmage and hit Johnson as he caught the ball resulting in like a six, seven yard loss. Yeah. It was one of the greatest tackles I've seen this season. And because it didn't have any impression on the flow of the game, no one's necessarily going to be talking about it. But it just showed that whole group of them, if they can keep that defense together for a few years, there's a potential for this Carolina team to go to two, three, four Super Bowls over the next six or seven years and be, I don't want to say dynasty, it's far too early to say that, but the pieces are there for them to be that good of a team. And you know what they get next season? Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, Kevin they get, a, they they get, get another draft. great receiver. I mean, it's really exciting. If they this. go out and get a really good four-three edge rusher, a good four-three defensive end. To I mean, Jared Allen's done a job this year. Charles Johnson, I think uh, the injury obviously stymied his season. But if they go out and get a really good edge rusher in the uh, in the draft, and there's a few of them there available. Oh, this team is just going to be so good. Oh, so good. Uh, you're wearing Panther blue today. Yeah, that was unintentional, but I'll take it. Are you yet another 49er... I always said Seahawks again. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Are you yet another 49er fan that's going to change their allegiance to Carolina? Oh, I'm a complete bandwagon jumper. <laughs> I, and I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, we had some tweets in about this game uh, in two weeks' time. This game, the Super Bowl. Uh, so we'll go through those and give a little idea of what we think about it. Uh, starting off with Niall. Niall tweeted saying, uh, Do you think the Panthers are better for having lost that game against the Falcons? Kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I yeah. don't see I don't buy into that. Yeah, I do. Well, why not then? Because I would much rather this day we're going into this game 18 and no, 0. No, 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 well, that's not to, the question though. I know, I, but I think that they had a, a blip. And yes, you could say the blip's got to happen at some point and you'd rather it happen then than in the Super Bowl. But I don't think it's mentally affected them. I think they've been just as good either side. They were playing lights out before that game. They had one bad game and then they went back to playing lights out again. It wasn't like it was a kick up the arse and suddenly they started playing well. It was the, it was one dip in an otherwise high season. And uh, so I don't think it had that much of an impact on the quality of their play in the two playoff games they played. Well, I agree with you, and that would have been part of my answer. However, they are better for it, because now coming into this Super Bowl, it would have all been about the uh, the unbe undefeated season, repeating, uh, you know, not doing something that hasn't been done for however long it was, since 1972. That would be the whole story, whereas now we can concentrate on the game. We're going to get a lot of Peyton Manning, uh, you know, uh, storylines, but we can now concentrate on the fact that they aren't undefeated and that would that in that way it would be better for the, it, that that's how that defeat has been good for them i agree with you they it didn't seem to affect them um, afterwards but coming in the big picture the big picture coming into this game this final yes it has helped 
Uh, looks like a Super Bowl will be a blowout, says Adam. Although we said the same about the AFC Championship game. We've kind of made my point for me. But he says Brady can't run like Newton. Is Cam Newton's ability on the ground to scramble and run going to be enough to negate that Broncos pass rush? And, and uh, on the same point, Alan tweets, have the Broncos D peaked too early? Can they produce like that again against the uh, Panthers? Well, the thing that, um, that affected the Patriots against the Broncos was that they didn't have a rushing game. There wasn't literally nothing on the ground. Stephen Jackson? Stephen Jackson who? You know, <laughs> and, and the, the great teams have that balance. Brady's 11-yard scramble was their longest run of the day. Which and is he, amazing. And he led the ground attack with 13 yards. And that, that's where it did not work. And you've got to put that on Belichick and the rest of that team. Uh, my favourite coordinator with the beard, what's his, uh, Ron, what, what's the guy, what's that... That guy with the long pointy nose. Pickering. Pickering. Matt Pickering. Pickerlily. Matt Pickerlily. But it's their fault that the Pats didn't do more because they should factor in stuff on the ground. Patricia, and that's it. The, uh, uh, Matt Pickering. Who that? Who, who is Matt Pickering? Pickerlily. Ronnie Pickering. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> who? Yeah, quite. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Pickering. Um, uh, yeah, I th my feeling on it is, and we said it already, I think Wade Phillips having two weeks to scheme for this is going to be a big factor, but... I love the, the way the Panthers, and I think uh, this is what I've said in my gridiron, uh, spoiler alert, in my, um, in my gridiron piece on my little blurb on my Super Bowl prediction. I think that they match up brilliantly against this defense in the same way they did against the Seahawks. Because whilst the line, and I think one of the big matchups is going to be seeing Michael Err going up against uh, Von Miller, Michael Err, who when he was signed by the Panthers, we laughed at that and said he was terrible at the Bears. He's had a good season, but the fact is they like to bring in the backup tight ends, they like to bring in Fozzie Whitaker and Mike Tolbert and play those heavy set seven, eight, even eight guys in the line occasionally allowing the run game to get going and once you, you might be bring four or five but four or five against eight i don't know if you're any good at maths but theoretically you shouldn't be able to get to the quarterback in that situation so i think they match up much better against the broncos defense than the patriots did that included in that is cam newton's mobility but i i did with two weeks to scheme the broncos could still be very dangerous on, mm. the, on that side of the ball yeah uh, Mike White's put a bold prediction that the, the Panthers will put 35-plus points on that vaunted Broncos defence. Spoiler alert. That's what I've gone for in the uh, Super Bowl prediction. Ooh. But how many do Denver get? Ooh. Chris has tweeted us, and this is time for a cheeky little bit of... Presumably, the one thing we can 100% definitely settle on this point is that Carolina have won the Kitwatch matchup. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I like the Broncos orange, but... Do you? Yeah, yeah well, orange is my favourite colour. But I would go... Is that go, you're friends with me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I would go... They have to play in their in their white jerseys. I'd love that. I think they get the choice, don't they, given that they have the better record? I, d I actually don't know how that works. We would lo I'd love to know. If anyone knows, at Gridironus, and let us know. Tell us how Kitwatch works. Yes, you, please. Yeah. Um, but it would look so much better, the white... All white sort of and, and blue of the Panthers and the home jerseys of of uh, the Broncos rather than the other way round. And Tom, uh, well, first of all, uh, on the point of Peyton Manning, Adam Barson points out Manning going for a fourth Super Bowl with a fourth different head coach. Surely that must be a record. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing so. Is, it, is that one of the stats today that I've? It feels like it should be. least about. <laughs> I think it is. I, I mean, it's a good one, Tom. I but just don't care about it. That's from Adam. Tom tweets us. Adam. Can Manning take care of the ball against the Panthers like he did yesterday? Are zero turnovers the key to a Broncos victory? 
I think it's huge. I think if, if he managed yeah. to... Uh, yeah. the, fact, the fact is he led the league in turnovers in the uh, regular season in... in picks despite the fact that he was uh, out for so many games and he's managed to now play did he was he picked off against the Steelers I don't remember it but he probably was and I'm just forgetting it but he certainly wasn't picked off against the Patriots who've had a good defense this season so all in all you know he's protected the ball very well in the last couple of games he's looked much more mm. impressive in his decision making than he was early in the season when he was trying to force things to happen and yes Tom I think that is key to the win of this game I, d- I got loads of stuff on uh, <laughs> ahead of the game uh, I was thinking we're gonna have to really pad this podcast out I'm gonna put together loads of bits on what my favorite matchups are gonna be who what uh, which areas of the game need to be impressive i did some research on red zone offense and defense loads of stuff and i'm not going to use any of it now because uh, i'll save it for super bowl week yeah save it save it so ollie hunter is there anything else you'd like to talk about i'm i think i'm going to join an american football team wow yeah okay have you got one in mind or? well i live i live in surrey i think the closest is the farnham knights okay um but anyone from the farnham knights listens do you need a kick returner because i can't imagine him playing anywhere else punter I can kick the ball high. Okay, good. And I think I, I'm, when I played flag, I was pretty decent. I got a pick and a couple of tackles on flag football, uh, playing sort of safety corner. You could be, you could be, you could potentially be a slot corner, but I don't fancy you matching up against tight ends much. No, me either. I've got a leap, but this is because I went to, I went up to Norwich and uh, I was watching my niece do rugby training, and on the pitch behind. Uh, or the field behind, a, r- a rugby pitch field. Uh, I'm so confused. Uh, at one end, there was the Norwich somethings, uh, a men's team practicing, uh, and the other end was, it, they weren't practicing in full kit. They were running through some drills. There was maybe about uh, 16 of them. And then the other end, there was the Norwich Iceni, the women's football team. Wow. Uh, and they were in full kit, and there was probably about 30 of them. Amazing. It was incredible, awesome. and it, it really ignited uh, sort of like a I've got to do this wouldn't this be great well I think we've got an off season feature guys uh, following Ollie Hunter's American football career so uh, we will get on to that as we say this is this the sole podcast this week but next week we will aim to have six in the space of eight or nine days as we take on Super Bowl 50 we're going to be on Radio Row we're going to be picking up lots of great interviews we've already got one or two big names lined up including my favourite defensive back of all time JJ what? <laughs> I will leave it simply at that. Uh, but yeah, keep getting Sam in touch Shields. with us at Gridiron. Not Sam Shields. <laughs> keep getting in touch with us at Gridiron on Twitter. Gridiron-magazine.com for plenty of... We're going to do a live blog while we're out there as well. So that's going to be on the Gridiron website where we're just going to be putting... So any... Uh, pictures we post on instagram anything we put on twitter is all going to be collated into one place so you'll be able to follow all of the updates from the four or five guys we're going to have out there five guys working for different agencies uh who are all going to contribute to it so like paolo's going to do some stuff for it pete carline from the mail all that sort of stuff so that's going to be really exciting the coverage is going to be second to none for the uk friend and i genuinely mean that I think Sky will do some updates, obviously, on Sky Sports News, but I think we will be bringing the most coverage from any UK service next week. There's, lots, week. Of, there's lots of us going there. Yeah. So it's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for it. Um, I, I, sorry if we're banged on about it, but we would we, we love you to interact with us while we're out there and keep uh, following us at Gridiron on Twitter. Keep checking out sports travel tours as well. We're going to be meeting up with Andrew out there and, and hanging out with the guys and, and getting our toes wet ahead of leading a tour next year, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, Ollie, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? You say toes wet. Every place that I go, I have to go in the sea. What if it's completely landlocked? 
San Francisco. Well, no, with no, I mean, San Francisco's not, but I'm just saying. Not, I have to go into the sea. If well, Yeah, because some places are like... Are you like a mermaid? No, no, no. But I just like going in the sea. There's not really a beach in San Francisco Is where you can not? just pop in the sea. I can't no. just jump in. Not really. I reckon we can find somewhere. That's our other aim for the week, is get, <laughs> getting Ollie wet. Uh, right, so thank you very much for listening, as always. Uh, keep tweeting us your thoughts at Gridiron. We love you all. At Will Gav on Twitter, at Ollie Hunter as well. This has been the Championship Weekend Review. In 13 days' time, it is going to be Super Bowl 50. I cannot wait. It's the Sheriff against the Young Pretender. Age versus Beauty. This is the Gridiron Show. Oh,